hotel It's gonna be a great Noel It's the Advent Calendar House Muffins, Black Man Smurfs And even Garfield's Halloween We're gonna take a trip down memory Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House, the podcast currently serving a life sentence of watching holiday specials for a crime I didn't commit. But it's time well served, and today we're following strangers way back to 1984 as we join the most 1984 pairing I can think of, Mr. T and Emmanuel Lewis in A Christmas Dream. I am taking a puff of a cigarette in a child's face for the sake of a cheap magic trick, Mike Westfall. And joining me from the end of a long line of long-legged toy soldiers I just knocked over with a cannon, please welcome back Guy Hutchinson. Hello, Guy. Oh, Mike, I'm so excited to be here. This, as you know, is my favorite show. I love to listen to you. And the only negative about getting to talk about this special, one of my favorite specials, is that I won't be able to enjoy this episode when it comes out for the first time <laughs> oh, because I'm here talking to you about it. But I'm I'm going to power through anyway. Uh, but again, this show is something else, and I'm so glad to be on it. Well, thank you. I'm very glad to have you back. I'm also glad you recommended this special to me because mm. I did not know this existed. <laughs> this is a weird one. I mean, this is, I got a lot of comments to say throughout this, but this is a very strange holiday special. It's one of those things that in a different era, uh, it, you and I would never be able to see it because it aired one time and without YouTube, it, it would have been gone. Yes. Thank you to whichever stranger happened to upload this and, and tape it to begin with. I, this podcast is founded on the idea that my parents recorded a bunch of random stuff off the mm -hmm. TV. Millions of others did. And I'm eternally grateful for this archive that we've created as a hive mind. So yeah. thanks, everyone. But I have a lot of memories of Christmas 1984, and this was not one of them. So tell me your history mm. with this special. Well, so I do remember when this was airing, but uh, to bring other people that are younger than me back uh, at that time, you if it was on once, that was it. And it really wasn't even like today. I mean, you, you had a VCR, which you could record things on. I don't know that my family had one when this came on, but even so recording things was not easy. It wasn't like today where you just go to a menu and click it. You'd have to say, oh, what time is it on? Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it, it like to, to organize recording something was especially a special that was on once. I mean, you had to see the commercial, which I did, uh, which I believe they played during the A-team. Uh, but you had to see the commercial and then say, okay, I'm going to uh, record this when it, when it airs. I didn't do that. And I, I probably could have been out someplace, which if you were, that was it. Or my dad wanted to watch something or one of my brothers wanted to watch something. I mean, that's how it went, you know? So I knew this was happening and it always stuck in my mind that I wanted to see it. And then, so years later, there was a thing on AOL where you would talk to other people about trading videotapes. And I went in there and 
and I asked for this over and over until one day <laughs> somebody said, I got it. And I said, all right, let's trade. And so we traded whatever, whatever it was. And I got a copy of this and I, I watched it and I, it was exactly what I wanted it to be. Um, and since then I have watched this almost every year. So this is a perennial favorite. It is not Christmas for me until I hear the, the story of the, of the birth of Jesus told by Mr. T. <laughs> Well, I'm glad. So you have like a hard copy of this. Well, I mean, I have I have a VHS tape copy of it. You but yes, I had it way before there was a YouTube. I had traded for it. I even traded for a second version. I had a friend wow. that uh, was a another. I'm a Mr. T collector, as as we all are, I'm sure. Uh, and that's not weird at all. And <laughs> I I met another Mr. T collector who had a better copy, and he was like, "Oh, I'll trade you." So I had a copy with commercials, a copy without, but everything on YouTube is better than what I had. But oh, wow. there was a time where on my space. I posted screenshots from this and we'll get to this later. I mean, there's not much to say about this particular interaction, but I was reached out to by uh, a kid who is one of the, uh, they had the Vienna boys choir, I believe in yes. this and wrong. And he was in that and he was like, Hey, I'm, I'm in this special. Can you send it to me? And I was like, of course, just oh, wow. send me your, your address. And I did. Wow. I, I was like, what do you remember? He's like, not much. And I was like, all right. Got it. <laughs> It seems like the whole thing seems like a blurb. So, all right. So A Christmas Dream aired on NBC on Sunday night, December 16th, 1984. And this is a Christmas special in the truest sense of those words. I don't think it ever aired again. No. And thank goodness someone taped it. Uh, and, And even the version I found on YouTube kept in most of the commercials. There is a chunk missing from the copy I watched. Do you have that, uh experience on your tape i mean in that the story doesn't make sense yes in that i feel something's (laughs) missing no no there's definitely something missing here there's a jump we'll get to that i guess first let's pinpoint this moment in time for our co-stars in this special starting Mm -hmm. with young emmanuel lewis who was in the middle of the second season of webster when this aired He's 13 years old here and much like myself at 13 could easily pass for seven Absolutely. I mean, I, I have, would if you if you had me to put money on it, I would have never said 13 years old. I mean, this kid looks like looks like he just crawled out of the womb. Uh, he, he's four foot three inches tall now at age 50. He's a 50 year old man. Yeah. Uh, in this, he's reportedly closer to three foot six, which is apparent when he stands next to Mr. T and only comes up to his waist. Right. And Mr. T is not a giant. Mr. T always says he's five foot ten, five foot eleven if he cheats. So, <laughs> And that's coming from his mouth. Yeah, I looked yeah. it up. The source that I saw on the Internet was WWE, the company known to exaggerate numbers. Yeah. So I didn't know whether that was accurate or they were just trying to make him look shorter than Hulk Hogan. But no, I've, I've stood toe to toe with the man several times. He is, he is five foot 10. Well, all right. right. But he looks the thing about Mr. T to kind of remember for people that are, or to think about for people that were not around for this time, he seemed so much larger than life that oh, you yeah. could have told me he was seven foot tall. And as a kid, I'd be like, well, of course he was, uh, you know, I remember very clearly one of my clearest childhood memories was I was at school and they brought a fire truck to school and they, they had the hose and they were like, you know, we're going to show you how we shoot the hose pressure. And they said, now we, we would never shoot 
shoot this if we thought there was a person in the building because this fire hose would knock you down and could do some serious damage. And I remember a kid put his hand up and said, could it knock Mr. T down? The firefighter <laughs> said, yes, even Mr. T, it could knock down. And we all went, ooh, like, we're just like, really? That's, I don't, I'm not sure we believe that. <laughs> That's going to be my, uh, my new go-to measure of force. I'm like, can this knock down Mr. T? Which is really, that should be, we're already sticking with imperial measurements. Mr. T can be our uh, imperial measurement of force. <laughs> going forward. Uh, but what a year 1984 was for him. You had yeah. the 18 minutes third season. He also had his own Saturday morning cartoon. Mr. T cereal came out this year. Uh, this was the year of his motivational home video. Be somebody or be somebody's fool. Yeah. Which if you haven't seen that, treat yourself. That is a very, that is a wonderful 80s time capsule. Uh, yeah. Which there's nothing Christmas about it, or else I would love to do an episode about oh, that. But <laughs> no. It has no holiday whatsoever to it. But man, that is a great thing. <laughs> it is a very specific joy. Maybe we can cheat and call it a Mother's Day special. But that is true. Yes. <laughs> uh, also in 1984, Mr. T was the man of the hour on a Dean Martin celebrity roast mm -hmm. and co hosted Saturday Night Live with Hulk Hogan. Those two teamed up around this time to lead up to the first Wrestlemania the following year. Yeah. The other thing uh, in that celebrity roast, he's roasted by Gary Coleman and Gary Coleman and Emmanuel Lewis were kind of like competing characters at that time. They were both oh, yeah. African-American children of short stature. And, and a lot of people thought of Webster as being kind of the, the uh, ripoff of different strokes. Um, so there, there, I mean, if it was today, I don't know if they ever did have a celebrity boxing match, but if it was today, they would have had one. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and they were definitely two people that would have tweeted angry things at each other at the time. <laughs> I mean, they were they were certainly, and so Mr. T appeared with both of them. That's true. I forgot about, yeah. Yeah, he's got a great episode of Different Strokes where yep. he shows up uh, as the bodyguard on that. And then they, they said, well, this is so good. Let's put him on. Uh, uh, what was the other show? Um, uh, Silver, Silver Spoon. Yep. With with, uh, with Ricky Schroeder. I mean, Mr. T did a lot of sitcom work in a very specific role, which was him showing up as the tough guy with the heart of gold. Yep. Uh, and he owns that on all of those. And he owns it here. We open this special with Mr. T as a bell ringing Santa Claus collecting mm -hmm. for charity in Rockefeller Center. We're back at the rock again. No X-Men this time. Santa T is interrupted by Emmanuel Lewis here playing a little boy named Billy. Hey, mister, is that a good job? Are you talking to me? Yes, I'm talking to you. Is that a good job? Well, in July, it's not too good of a job. His name is Billy. Mr. T is playing a character called Benny. Yes. There's a couple of other recognizable faces later in the special who just go by other names here. And mm -hmm. I'm going to do my best to remember to use those names. I'm not exactly sure why they bothered. Yeah, I don't know why it's not Mr. T and Emmanuel Lewis, to right. be honest. Uh, Emmanuel Lewis wants to know if it's a good job. And Mr. T kind of sits down with him and then says, you'll have to grow three or four pounds, I think. he It's it's a lot of yeah. dialogue that you could tell. They they got it that day. They read it over and they were like, well, we got to get this done. We only can, see <laughs> we only can film here for the next 20 minutes. Let's uh, 
Let's rock and roll. And I'm sure the other scenes, all the scenes in Rockefeller Center were filmed within the next 20 minutes of the scene we're watching. Yeah, probably. It, it's yeah, all- I mean, they just they just buzzed that out and then they went over to the next location. All right. Cue the skaters. Here we go. But- <laughs> <laughs> and very quickly, we get a synopsis for the rest of this episode. Billy doesn't care too much about Christmas, and he claims a lot of people agree with him, pointing mm-hmm. out all the people walking right past them and his and Santa's charity bucket. Yeah. But hang on, kid. They're walking past because he stopped ringing his bell to talk to you. That's true. Maybe don't interrupt Santa. Now, we did get a cameo here from uh, Mayor Ed Koch, who, yes. who asked the trademark, how am I doing, Santa? Uh, which I love just because it's such, it again, is such a time capsule of that era. Hiya, Santa. How am I doing? Do it, Mr. Mayor. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and to you, little fella. Thank you. Yes, that was that was the mayor of New York's way of checking his own approval rating. He talked to people on the street and asked, how am I doing? Uh, I have never lived in New York and I was too young to know anything about his administration, but I recognized him from the Muppets take Manhattan. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you did. Yeah, I love that. I love Uh, that about you, Mike. (laughs) So when Kermit goes missing in that movie, Gonzo, all the other Muppets are like wandering the city looking for Kermit. And Gonzo comes up to the mayor during a press conference outside his office asked if he's seen a singing and dancing frog and mayor Koch replies if he can also balance the budget i'll hire him <laughs> uh, the mayor leaves benny asks billy who he's with and the kid tells him my name is billy johnson and i'm all alone i have no family just my parents and me. Yeah, yeah. Just his parents who who don't care about him. They they only put food on the table and all that. I mean, That's we get all. we get the whole rundown, which I really like. Uh, Mr. T kind of stands up for the parents who we will not see for a long. We'll see them an hour from now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He he tells the kid he's got a BA. That's a bad attitude <laughs> for right. those of you who didn't watch the A team. Uh, that's as close to acknowledging that, hey, this is Mr. T. Yeah. You know what's interesting? Until uh, the end of this special, and I, I hate to jump ahead, although I really that's feel fine. people listening to this should, you know, they should stop this and watch this. This is a special that you're not going to derive much out of this unless you watch it. You should, you know, really, because it's it, you got to see this to believe it. But until the end, we don't see Mr. T's mohawk a lot. And we never see him with gold chains. This is not, he's really playing a, a different character. What this character is, I don't understand, but he is playing a different character. Yeah, n- no fools are pitied here. Uh, yeah, no gold chains. That's a good point. Uh, you don't yeah. see that anywhere in this special. Not on him anyway, Will. We'll cross that road when we get to it. But uh, only recently has he stopped wearing gold almost entirely. He stopped right around Hurricane Katrina because he had seen those victims and didn't feel right wearing gold. Yeah, he did say that. He's also um, he he will wear it. He says it's he's like a reverse stripper. So the more you pay him, the more he puts on. Um, and so he'll he'll wear a little bit of gold if it's like a talk show appearance. But if you're you know doing like a big commercial or you go, you want a cameo from him, he'll he'll load it up. But yeah, there we go. 
Um, yeah, the, the commercial for this, by the way, uh, there was like a 30-second commercial, which most of which was whatever the Christmas special before this that they were promoting. They're like, Bob Hope has lots of strangers <laughs> with him. Check it out. They're like, also, Mr. T and Emmanuel Lewis. And he goes, and, and they cut to Mr. T. He's like, I can't lose this one. And they're like, Thursday, you know, whatever it was, you know, um, and it's like so. So Mr. T's mission to not lose this child. Santa has decided this one child represents the faith of mankind. And if he can get him to believe in Christmas, he can get everyone to. Yeah, that's I wondered about that when we get to that point. It's just like, oh, what? What? It felt like something was missing and they never come back to it. it now, here's the point. From this moment on, what if you had cast a beautiful young woman in the Emmanuel Lewis part, this wouldn't make any difference. Mr. T is essentially <laughs> taking him on the most romantic trip to New York City of all time, <laughs> except for the fact that it's Emmanuel Lewis and Mr. T, which is very strange to me. It is. So there's nothing inappropriate about it. No, it's just very odd. Like everything about this. Like if I look at this, that's the date I would take a woman on and be like, man, it's going to be the most beautiful Christmas (laughs) date ever. We're going to do this, this, this and this. And they do all of it. They hit they hit the touch tones of Christmas in New York. I have gone uh, many times to New York at Christmas time, but I have specifically done almost every one of the things, including like going to Rockefeller Center. I have not paid the the big bucks to watch the Rockets do their show, but I've seen it on television. So I know what it is, but, um, but all of this, this is as traditional, a, a romantic uh, look at New York. If Dickens and Norman Rockwell were to team up to write an illustrated <laughs> novel about Christmas, this would be it. Uh, only it would not have Mr. T and Emmanuel Lewis, which is why this is better. Oh, I, I honeymooned in New York in, in July, so there were a lot of things in this that we could not hit just because uh-huh. they're seasonal. But, I mean, we hit FAO Schwartz. We spent a good yeah. – and that's our next stop. But, uh-huh. yeah, this Santa says he's got some friends he wants Billy to meet. Mm-hmm. That's the kid they can change his attitude about Christmas. And the kid that's accepts some- the bet – and puts up a dollar. Yeah, yeah. We've got a dollar riding on this, and we know Mr. T. He's going to collect if, if he, if he <laughs> That's wins. Right. So let's uh, let's see what happens. We get over to Fao Schwartz. I this part. Uh, I know you. You are like me. You were looking carefully at all the toys. Uh, early, the first shot we see snorks. They have they have uh, yes. flush snorks <laughs> hanging by their snorkel by whatever the the curve is the the equivalent of a Smurf hat that they have. They were hanging around a, a little display, and I was like, "Oh man, we're here. We're we're in F.A.O. Schwartz <laughs> yeah. in 1984." <laughs> this is still four years before the famous piano scene in the movie Big. Mm-hmm. So for some 40 something out there somewhere, this might have been their first glimpse of FAO Schwartz. Oh, yeah. Uh, Emmanuel Lewis, it goes to a an inconceivable display where they've got robots that will fall off the table if Emmanuel Lewis is not there to stop them. So the robots are designed in a way that they're going to fall to and probably be destroyed. And customers will say, I don't need this robot. It's destroyed. Why would I buy this poorly made piece of electronics? But thankfully, Emmanuel Lewis, this is our first uh, site that he is all of mankind protecting the toys, (laughs) protect the toys, protect the robots. Oh, I like that view of this now. 
Yeah, no, this movie, this uh, special movie, uh, movie is, you know what? It, it's more than movie. It is special. It is a special and it is it is the ultimate in all of Christmas entertainment. And I'm going to convince you of this. <laughs> I don't need much convincing. I'm with you. Uh, and we see his face light up at the sight of a big toy car that's just his size. It's the store's display car, unfortunately. A little too big to be a Power Wheels car, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, Then we make our way upstairs to the magic area, and hey, David Copperfield's here. Hi. Hi. Um, Benny told me to keep an eye on you while he was changing out of his Santa suit. My name's Dave. What's yours? Billy. Billy. David Copperfield. I mean, (laughs) let that sink in. This is a special that is top-lined by two people that are not David Copperfield, (laughs) and this is a David Copperfield special in 1984. That's a very good point. I don't think I've ever watched a Magic of David Copperfield special. Oh, you should. You I should see need him. to know. You should see the one where he makes the Statue of Liberty disappear. Uh, and then afterwards, I'll tell you how it's done, although you'll probably figure it out while you watch it. Yeah, there are a few. Yeah, we're going to be spoiling magic tricks as we go in here because we get the we get the easy bargain bin tricks here from david copperfield (laughs) yeah and again as you mentioned in your intro this is my favorite part of it (laughs) he's like smoking's bad you don't smoke do you to a child he says right and then he lights up he's like this is just for the trick apparently the the fao schwartz rules were that if it was in the guise of a trick you could light up in their (laughs) store Well, you probably, yeah, I don't know when. This was 1984. I right. don't know. It may so have been a lot. So that line's right there. It, you might have been able to smoke. But but before that, he's here talking to a little girl, asking if she's married. He's being cute to make the kid laugh. What's your name? Jessica. Are you married? No. No. Do you have a boyfriend? No. Yes. But it's also a segue into the trick he's about to perform for her. He asks if anyone's ever broken her heart and then shows her what he does when he gets a broken heart. Mm -hmm. What he does next is he takes a piece of tissue paper cut into the shape of a heart, rips it into four pieces, smushes them together in his fingers and magically puts them back together into a whole heart again. That's it. Uh, And I'm not a huge magic trick follower, but I knew this one. So I was excited. So so he's got two paper hearts. One's already crumpled up before he starts tearing the other one. And when he smushes up the pieces of the second in his hands, he makes the switch. Yeah. It's a very neat trick to teach kids who actually want to learn magic. Yeah. I, I kind of like that he's doing that kind of magic here. He's not he's not blowing you away with some, you know, big set pieces and some trick photography. This is him doing magic right there that, you know, that you literally could buy at a store. Sure. But the girl's reaction's kind of mild, and it also looked to me like she was yeah. ready to be anywhere else. Right? Yeah, she does. She's she's a little worried. Her mom's going later to Copperfield's Island, and she's concerned <laughs> about her. Um, no, yeah. Again, th- this is done in very few takes. I would be. I mean, obviously, they spent a little bit of time, but this was a rush. Get if you don't get the right shot, we got to put something else in there. Yeah. You know, every minute of this special was done on the cheap, and 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 it, you can tell. But it, it's kind of the charm of that era. That era 
era, you know, you would you would put this together. The person making this special was like, well, we've got Emmanuel Lewis and we've got Mr. T. That covers a lot of the audience. Let's throw in David Copperfield. That'll cover some of the audience. Let's throw in, you know, later we get the ice skating uh, sequence and some other stuff. But they're like, let's just layer all these things in here because what people, uh, again, I keep going back to this, but when I was a kid, one of the things was around the holidays, you'd go over to grandma's house and there'd have to be a show on that TV. Now, granted, we only had a few channels, but you know, there was no cable TV where, where we were. So it was just, you know, you were dealing with about five or six channels, including like PBS and everything, but you had to find something that was okay for everybody in the house. And that's grandma. That's the little kid. That's. And so this was the perfect kind of show where you'd put it on. You really like, didn't have to pay any attention, but you could tune in for little pieces, whatever kind of appealed to you in between, you know, bites of Turkey or opening a gift or whatever it was that you were doing. Yeah, this definitely feels like it's trying to hit multiple audiences. It's a variety show disguised as a narrative story. (laughs) Yep. The greatest one of all time. Absolutely. So he asks Billy if he sees any toys over there he wants for Christmas and is surprised when he answers, nope. Uh, Then he oddly asks if Billy's having trouble with his eyes, which sounds weird, but it's just another lead into this next trick. And that's where the cigarette pack comes in. Mm hmm. He asks Billy for a quarter first, and then he asks just a random guy shopping to borrow a cigarette. Right. 1984, everyone. (laughs) And then he does this cool looking trick where he puts the cigarette through the quarter. Did you know how this trick works? Uh, Well, I do know there is you you get a quarter that, you know, that has a sliding thing to to have a hole through it. And you put the. Yeah. The trick quarter. Yeah. But they're great. You can get ones that fold in half and you can stuff them into a bottle. There's a lot of wonderful trick quarters out there. kids. Yes. Uh, but to prove it's the same cigarette on both sides mm. of the quarter, that's when he lights <laughs> it up and takes a very tiny yeah. drag right in this kid's face. Right. Again, this is this is crazy. You don't smoke, do you? No way. Good. Neither do I, but it's for the trick. OK, but why does it have to be a cigarette? Besides the fact that it's a cigarette sized hole, it could be a straw. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but but David Copperfield finishes by making the coin disappear and reappear, or at least a quarter reappears right back in Billy's pocket. And then he wraps a little neat bow around this whole scene by telling Billy the tricks he does are illusions for the eye and the mind. But true magic is for the heart, like what happens to people's hearts during Christmas time. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now Benny, Mr. T returns and Billy leaves to join him. And David says, see you at the party tonight. Wait, what? What party? <laughs> That's how they introduce the fact that there's going to be a party. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> so, so back to the best date ever. The two take a horse drawn handsome cab back to yeah. Rockefeller Center. Yeah. Mr. T takes that big old horse blanket, pulls it up on them, and they just look back at the city. It's it's beautiful. This charity Santa just has all kinds of friends, including <laughs> David Copperfield. And he explains he and his friends get together every Christmas. And even though Benny doesn't have any relatives, getting together with his friends feels like family. Mm-hmm. And this poor child who has already established that he lives with both of his parents said, I wish that's what I had. <laughs> 
I think we're yeah. focusing on the wrong issue here. This special wants us to focus on why doesn't the child like Christmas and not why does this child hate his family? Yeah, it is. It is very odd. I, I feel like somebody was like, ah, we'll make them have, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, one parent or no parents or foster parents. Like, well, we did foster parents with Webster. You know, what? Well, let's just give them both parents. We're just going to give them both parents. <laughs> like. It doesn't really add up at this point. All right. Well, who cares? We got to go. We're, we're filming today. So, you know, it's too late. The way they try to make sense of it is to say that he's a latchkey kid. Yeah. Well, that was a thing. I mean, oh, sure. That was a thing in the 80s. You know, you'd go home and you'd have your hide-a-key, which would either be, you know, like by the front porch or whatever. And I know we had a hide-a-key and anytime you had to get it, you'd look around like a spy, like you were making sure there was no <laughs> one watching to see where you hid that hide-a-key. And then you'd you'd have to put it in the lock, you'd turn it, you'd put it back in and you'd be like, whoo, whoo, yeah. whistling as you slapped it back under the circuit breaker box or whatever it was outside. And then you'd, you'd uh, you know, fake rock or something rock. i was go. gonna say fake rock with <laughs> yeah. a little compartment yeah and then you go in the house and you'd be like lock the door immediately so this was a thing but i gotta say uh and, and it was kind of topical because there were a lot more women in the workforce at this point and a lot less stay-at-home yeah. dads but still uh i'm i'm just saying this kid's got it good oh yeah and i and i think mr t's sarcasm is lost on the kid Yes. Oh, you got those kind of parents. I don't blame you for being so mad. They go out and work hard all day long so they can make enough money to give you a nice place to live in. Parents sure sound mean. <laughs> so I understand there are some real feelings here that latchkey kids might have connected with or, or latched onto, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I can understand that. But then he starts knocking a present the parents gave him. He said, they got me a new skateboard and I don't even know how to skate. Yeah, you don't know how to skate. Come on. Uh, He's got a litany of complaints. (laughs) So Benny says, maybe they wanted you to try something new. And this kid asks, what can you learn from falling on your rear end? And as luck would have it, we get an answer for that back at the rock where the ice skating rink is about to clear for former world figure skating champions, Ty Babylonia and yeah. Randy Gardner. See that couple down there? They didn't always know how to skate. But watch them now. Yeah. Now, Randy Gardner sounds like he pitched for the Mets at one point, but <laughs> Ty Babylonia <laughs> is one of like four figure skaters I can name off the top of my head. So this is, I mean, it's still a figure skater, but this is big time. I mean, we're talking, you know, this is the top of the top when it comes to figure skating. I unfortunately did not know her by name. My, my The extent of figure skaters I know exists pretty much in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Like it starts with Christy Yamaguchi and it ends with Tara Lipinski. And that is my knowledge of figure skating. Yeah, well, this, I mean, I'm just saying, Ty Babylonia, it's a, it's a name that stands out, much like the oh, names sure. you said. You know, they're, yeah. they're all, uh, uh, you know, uh, Peekaboo Street. And you know, it's like, <laughs> for some reason, it's like part of, you know, being born with a with an odd name or a very, you know, fancy kind of name is you're like, well, I'm going into figure skating. Yep, I'm a winter Olympian. Me. Yeah, this is what the problem with Tanya Harding was. It was, it was her name. Ah, <laughs> that's it. No, but these two were a big deal in the 70s. They won gold in 1979 for pairs in the World Figure Skating Championships, and they were the last Americans to do so. Ah. The U.S. has not won in pairs at Worlds since then. 
Uh, and everyone else in the ice skating rink who probably paid a lot to be on the ice, yeah, clear gotta, the rink. <laughs> clear the rink and watch these professionals. Line up along the edges. Yeah, they line up <laughs> along the edges and watch these two do their thing. As, as Benny explains to Billy, these two probably fell a lot while they were practicing, and so did everyone else on the ice. But they wouldn't let them stop them from trying something they wanted to do. That is true. And, and you can go there. You can go to Rockefeller Center. You can see uh, that big tree, by the way, that Art Carney planted and then poured Coca-Cola on. <laughs> if you've ever seen that commercial. I, and you can see people skating. You cannot, to my knowledge, there is not a time where you have professional figure skaters. I wish there was. Uh, maybe like yeah, when really? Disney on Ice is playing at Madison Square Garden or something, they'll, they'll do a segment there. But I've always just seen, you know, total strangers just going in a circle but oh, yeah. you're sitting there eating a roasted chestnut and you know and, and looking at that on a cold winter day it's fantastic sure and i feel like this is an important lesson to teach kids because at least with my kids they each went through periods when they were younger they'd get frustrated when they weren't just instantly good at something oh yeah no, I mean, I, yeah, I hear that my kid's 10. I hear that all the time. He's like, well, that's not my sport. And I'm like, no, you don't know what you're, you don't know what anything of yours is yet. You haven't figured it out yet. You're right. young. Try everything. Yeah. That's basically what I try to do. But yeah. uh, my youngest is seven and he's still in that phase where he, he gets very frustrated when he can't yeah. figure out something right away. Yeah. And it's just, it takes patience. You don't even get good at something and till you're 10 years into it. That's true. And Minimum. not everything requires you to fall on your butt. That's right. But some things do. And so you should be thankful when it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, but but this reminded me, do you remember the old Sesame Street character, Don Music? Oh, my God. Don Music uh, was a fantastic character. He would sing like Mary Had a Little Lamb or whatever at his piano. And then he would always have trouble. Yes, he'd, he'd mess it up and he'd get so mad at himself and he'd bang mm -hmm. his head in the piano keys and... Well, I can't do that, it, which, yeah. okay, it's often funny to see a Muppet get hurt, but some very smart people at one point decided maybe let's not teach children to bang their head on the piano when they make a mistake. I can tell you, first of all, big piano was a thing in the 1980s. Every home oh, yeah. I went into had a piano. In it. I mean, imagine this, if you will. Every home, if you went to grandma's house, you went to your aunt's house, you went to your neighbor's house, everybody seemed to have a piano. No one played it. Everyone just had a piano <laughs> nope. as a piece of furniture in their dining room yeah. uh, or their living room. And I would always go to it. I'd sit there, I'd dink, 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 and then I'd slam my headed to the keys because don music that's <laughs> yep. where i learned it from yeah but yeah that's why no one under 40 remembers don music yeah we had a piano i can't no. play piano my yeah. brother took piano lessons for a month maybe no you i will tell you this for everybody listening you can go out right now go to your local craigslist there is a piano that somebody is giving away <laughs> if you go to their home pianos are are so easy to get because they duped everybody into believing this was the status symbol this is what you needed in your home was a piano and every house had one they, they really did all my aunts and uncles yeah, yeah. My mother-in-law has one. She doesn't play piano. Nope. It's my parents there. don't have one now in their new house. So my parents had one though. Yeah. yeah. We had one growing up, sure, at our old house. At one point we moved and they were like, Well, what are we doing with this piano? Why are we why are we moving the largest thing in the home? <laughs> Leave even it though here. no one touches it. <laughs> well, from here we get a commercial break, which was thankfully kept into the upload I watched. Mm -hmm. 
Lots of 1984 commercials for cleaning products, which I didn't expect during a primetime special. This made it feel like it was lunchtime during days of our lives. Yeah. Well, you got to clean all the time, though. I guess so. Even at night. Do you know what this is? It's silica, the major component of sand and most scouring powders. It's harsh and scratchy. That's why you should clean with creamy liquid soft scrub. It's a liquid cleanser with milder abrasives. It cleans tough messes like a scouring powder, but doesn't scratch like one. And soft scrub doesn't feel gritty. So think about it. Scratchy scouring powder or creamy liquid soft scrub. Soft scrub. It cleans like a scouring powder without the scratchy sand. And back from the break, Benny now takes Billy to Radio City Music Hall. Again, this is the most wonderful date. I wish I wish some I wish someone would take me on this date. Yeah, I need really. to go. This is so like the most beautiful holiday uh extravaganza. Uh yes, Radio City Music Hall, the most famous, you know, uh, uh stage in the world, they say. And uh, to see the Rockettes. And this is a very extended scene. Now, the Rockettes do a televised special a lot of years. Not, right. I don't think they do it every year, but sometimes it'll be on the MSG network, sometimes some prime time. Uh, but they do a lot of specials. They're world famous, obviously. And sure. um, and they this particular show, you can go see it. I probably now, you know, uh, uh, at any point when you're listening to this, if it's close enough to Christmas that you can see Christmas decorations in your town, they're probably doing that show three times a day. Oh, yeah, definitely playing right now. But he's taking them here because a friend of Benny's who works there was supposed to get a rehearsal hall in the building mm. to hold their Christmas party. Yeah, this dude's got connections. He does. And this is this, by the way, was the cameo that that I love the most. Oh, yeah. They go in the stage door, which confused me for a second, because admittedly, it's been over a decade since I've been to Radio City. And I'm thought, what's this tiny room? But here yeah. it's the yeah, it's it's the staff entrance or the performing entrance. But but also these two seem to be the only people walking along 50th Street right outside Radio City Music Hall. So maybe I need to suspend a little more disbelief here <laughs> yes, that the yes, stage do. door is just unlocked out in the open. <laughs> like I'm suspending disbelief in the fact that the man watching the inside of the stage door is some guy named Jim and not noted ventriloquist Willie Tyler. <laughs> That's right. And his dummy Lester really is the kid I told you about on the phone when I call. Is it okay if he goes in with me? It's up to Louie. He can handle it. Him? Yeah, me. But you're a dummy. From what I hear, you're a bit of a dummy yourself. But no matter. We got security rules. Called Louie here for I don't know why they're doing this, but. No, I don't know why they're why they're masking him. I mean, he was very famous at the time. Uh. At the time, if you went into like the JCPenney catalog and you were looking at your gifts for the holiday season, uh, they would always have ventriloquist dummies and they had Charlie McCarthy, Mortimer Snurd, and then they had Lester. That yep. was always the three that were in there. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think I had a Charlie McCarthy growing yeah, up. Yeah, I did too. I, did I too, had yeah. something, yeah, or a reasonable facsimile. But So were you familiar with Willie Tyler and Lester beyond that? Yeah, absolutely. So Willie Tyler... Uh, 
and this puppet Lester, I don't know that Willie Tyler had any other puppets. We do see a modified puppet in a moment from him, <laughs> but him and Lester, they would be on the tonight show. They would be on the Jerry Lewis telethon. They would be on other variety shows around that time period. Uh, I'm trying to think of, there were quite a few. I mean, this was, this was a character you would know at that time period. If you were watching a lot of television and I was, yeah, I think I, I want to say my memory of him. I remember him being on the tonight show or maybe, mm-hmm. maybe a later episode of, of letterman perhaps when he was a little older, but I went through a period when I was about nine or 10 where I wanted to be a ventriloquist. And oh, yeah. I, yeah, I preferred using a puppet over a classic dummy, but whatever. Maybe that's why it didn't stick. But yeah. Now, you know, the one thing that's interesting about this special. So this aired, uh, I think, like December 16th, yes. December 14th, December 16th. So and they didn't shoot this the year before and they did not shoot this in the summer. This was shot when the ice rink was already set up. All of this stuff was in place. So this was shot in November and then aired in December yeah. and, and, and probably well into November for them <laughs> to get it on the air in December. So the, the turnaround for this special is just a couple weeks. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Wow. And they got everybody together for this, including Willie yes. Tyler. Here he is. He and it, this is a fantastic sequence. It's just very funny. It's it's always I mean, it's it's so shoehorned in, you know, this, yes. this man that works here at the entrance for the the stage entrance for the Radio City Music Music Hall. He has his own puppet that he brings to work with him yep. is that's something you don't see a lot. I mean, no. it's like you, you you would think they would have fired him like day one. I mean, <laughs> if this was like a local theater or something, they'd be like, oh, it's kind of cute. The guy brings his own puppet. But you think that like Radio City Musical, they're like, I don't know what this guy's angling for. If he thinks he's going to be doing a show here or something, we've got to get him out of here and get somebody that can just check people in and out. Right. We're trying to run a business. Yeah. There's a fine line between that and everyone here is an entertainer. (laughs) But this dummy, Louie, who has he has a whole conversation with Billy. And the other kid is walking around with a smile on his face because it's Christmas. You come in here with a chip on your shoulder. I don't have a chip on my shoulder. Yeah, you do, little man. I know. I'm an expert on chips. I got chips all over my body. Then asks some security questions like his father's place of business and work phone number, which we then see Benny scribble down on an, on Chekhov's notepad. That's right. So we know he's going to contact them. It's the it's the best uh, way to get information from a character ever. It's just please say it out loud so we can write it down. Right. And 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 this also can get rid of any fears that any high strung parent might have of stranger danger, because that was a big thing. Yeah. If you're even a little worried about that, you're like, oh, no, Benny is trying to contact mom and dad. Clearly, Benny is is doing this whole thing, not only for the benefit of this child's belief in in the holiday magic, but also because he didn't want to just let this kid wander away. This kid just wandered up to him and and didn't seem to be in the best of uh, of mindset. Right. In the middle of Manhattan. Mm hmm. So Jim and Louie let Billy go and get ready to leave themselves, but not before introducing us to another dummy named Buster. And it's a Mr. T dummy. 
Yeah, but Buster has gold chains. Am yes, I right? Yes, he does. He's got so, a large assortment of gold chains. So Buster only looks like Mr. T outside of this special. At this point in the special, I don't think Mr. T has taken his hat off. So nope. we've only seen him with a wool cap covering up his mohawk. So we don't know that this puppet even looks like him, except for the fact that we, as a viewer in 1984, know that that's Mr. T yeah. that we're looking at. That's it. This puppet is great. This puppet looks like Mr. T. Oh, yeah. The the, the impersonation is very funny. Uh, Mr. T's interaction with the puppet is very funny. <laughs> Everything about it. This is uh, in the golden age. You had Charlie McCarthy and W.C. Fields arguing with each other. This is the, the uh, 1984 equivalent of that. <laughs> That's a very good comparison. Yeah. Yeah. The dummy tells him, I only got one thing to say to you, fool. And Benny immediately stands up and walks over to him like, oh, yeah, what's that? I thought I told you to get rid of that thing. I like the other one better. Oh, yeah. Only got one thing to say to you, fool. And what's that? Merry Christmas. <laughs> and seeing Mr. T laughing genuinely at anything is my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. T, Mr. T's smile is awesome. It's like, it's so great. Cause he has, he has like resting. I'm going to kill you face. <laughs> yeah. And then when he smiles, it's just so great. Yeah. His laugh is, is infectious. It is. And then, then he tells the dummy, do me a favor, get another haircut. We yes. haven't seen yours. Right. We, we, yeah. At this point, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, I bet he'll never show that he has a mohawk. I bet that's, but it's coming. It's coming. Uh, so they direct Billy backstage to wait to meet another friend of his who's the lead singer in the show at the music hall, they say. And then he just sends him back there by himself. Yeah. And by the way, the the shots of Radio City Music Hall throughout this special are just amazing to look at. I I wish that this was a high definition look at this because yeah. uh, even on this uh, low resolution, it looks gorgeous. I mean, it is just a beautiful, ornate palace and, and it's something to see. It really is. Uh, yeah. Here after the kid's gone is where Mr. T says, I don't want to lose this one. Hey, what do you think? Is he getting the Christmas spirit yet? I don't think he's sold yet, but we keep trying. Thanks, Buster, because I don't want to lose this one. Well, then don't send him back into a building he's never been into before <laughs> by himself. I don't want to lose this one. No. Rocky Balboa. <laughs> Great. <laughs> what do you mean you don't want to lose this one? Have you lost other children? Apparently other children have been lost by Mr. T. Oh, no. And so he's got, he now has to put everything in to save this one child. It makes sense to me. They, they never explain this line in the special. I'm watching the rest of the special waiting for some revelation. Like no, surprise, I'm your guardian angel or no, anything, but yeah. Nope. Yeah, no, you you figure that is coming. You figure that he yeah, that is exactly what this special should be leading to. It does not go there. No, just a dude who knows some famous people. Yeah. Uh, in, in, including the friend of his, Billy, goes to meet backstage. It's Maureen McGovern. See, what's your favorite song? I don't have one. Oh, come on. There are all kinds of Christmas songs. There must be one you like. Nope. There we go. Another celebrity. And again, uh, now she's the first one, though, that is portrayed not only as herself, but as a celebrity, like every other celebrity, they're kind of working odd jobs, Yeah, you know, through their celebrityness. Uh, even the mayor. I mean, the mayor's wandering around. He's got no security details, so he's clearly no. not the mayor. Uh, <laughs> but here 
She's uh, backstage. She's going to perform. So she is. She's every bit a star in her silk robe. Yes. Miss, there's got to be a morning after herself. Although in this, she looks like she has never existed outside of the year 1984. (laughs) Yeah. She's in her dressing room practicing with her partner, Mike, on the piano. And Maureen asks Billy what his favorite Christmas song is. And he doesn't have one. Of course not. He's not into Christmas. No. This kid is miserable. Yeah. (laughs) So she just picks one to be his new favorite. And we get a lovely rendition of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Mm. Now, I want to... give you this idea what if if mr t didn't intervene this kid grows up to become the grinch what if that is the backstory they're they're avoiding with this special oh dear <laughs> that's it if we don't take you to radio city music you will hall, become green yeah. <laughs> and your heart will shrink but now he's warmed up a bit to give a polite but genuine round of applause uh and then they start to have a little chat about I don't know what, because here's where the copy I watched awkwardly skipped to the next scene. Ooh, so what does it skip to? It skips to him falling asleep while he's watching the Rockettes practice. Well, I think that's like the next scene. Though. Oh, is I it? Don't, yeah. I feel like there's nothing in there. Uh, I could I could double check, but there's nothing of note in there. I think it's like him walking to his seat and everything, maybe. But uh yeah, it's he sits down, watches the Rockettes. He falls asleep. OK, I did see one screenshot where he's talking to Benny in the hallway by the phone booth, mm. which, hey, kids, remember phone booths? I'm out of maybe that's when he calls his parents. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, there might be, be a small cut. I wonder why, you know, sometimes with with YouTube stuff, there's slices over, you know, like background music and stuff. But I, I don't know. I can I can double check, but I can tell you you're not missing much. No. There's no there's nothing major you're missing. I know this special <laughs> feels like you're missing something absolutely enormous because this special doesn't totally come together. But that's it. OK, yeah. No, it definitely seems like something was wrong with the tape. It was that sort oh, of hard yeah. cut that or or they wanted to turn over and see how the Mets were doing. And then they flipped <laughs> yeah, back or, you know, or the Nets or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, here's where he wanders around by himself some more until he walks into the theater, has a seat mm-hmm. and watches a rehearsal by the plainclothes Rockets. That's right. All in their 80s flash dance workout clothes as they rehearse their blocking which is apparently too boring for this child because he falls asleep in the theater while watching the Rockettes basically give him a private show in an otherwise empty Radio City music hall. (laughs) That is true. And none of them even acknowledge there's a boy watching us practice who just fell asleep in the seats. Hmm. That is right. You know, I'll tell you uh, one thing at this time, uh, Radio City Music Hall was featured a couple of years earlier in Annie. Uh, they went yes. to the movies there. So let's all go to the movies. And yep. he went there and he rented out Radio City Music Hall, which I did not as a child understand the significance of how funny that gag is <laughs> that he's renting out Radio City Music Hall. Uh, but to me, it became something that every time I would go to the movies as an adult and I'd, I'd see a less popular film and there was no one else in the theater, I'd look around and be like i'm the daddy warbuck i got it this is my private show there we go i made it 
Yeah, so he falls asleep and we get to see his dream. And his dream is of the actual Rocket show in which they're dressed like toy soldiers. As is he. I mean, he is he yes. is part of the show. Yes. Well, first, a few times during this above the Rocket's heads, we see the giant superimposed face of Emmanuel yes. Lewis still Sleeping. asleep. Yeah, that's right. To remind us this is a dream sequence. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, it's a long one. It's... It's it, a I mean, again, fun. yeah, it's a long one. And again, it's it's, you know, for the family sitting around watching this, there's somebody that's like, I love the Rockets. And there's some kids that are like, I'm going to go look at my baseball cards. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty funny way to show, hey, you're still in the dream sequence. It was either this or bring in the soap opera glowing edges of the screen and suddenly everything's at a different frame rate. So that's fine. Uh, it's long, but I'm not complaining that it's long. We just get to watch the Rockets. All in matching toy soldier outfits with bell-bottom pants. And eventually they bring out a giant cannon. And this is when Emmanuel Lewis comes out in his own dream, also dressed like a toy soldier who fires the cannon at the Rockettes. Yeah. Well, (laughs) hey, you know what? Sometimes we have violent dreams. Maybe this is why this child needs to be saved. (laughs) Murderous treason at Radio City. Yeah. I mean, in his dream, he's like, if only I could shoot those damn rockets with a cannon, (laughs) I wouldn't have to watch this show. And they fall gracefully back into each other's laps in a sort of very long trust fall. Yep. Uh, And Billy's then roused awake by Benny, who shouts for him from the back of the theater that it's time to go to the Christmas party. Uh, But first, another break. Did you have any other fun commercials on your copy? I mean, not that I note. I mean, there were commercials for like a new dishwasher that was so technologically advanced (laughs) that it it seemed embarrassingly not technologically advanced. But and I think there was a Velveeta commercial at one point, but no, nothing that uh, that stands out. Yeah, no, I did a general electric dishwasher and that that commercial Mm -hmm. felt like, hey, it's the last scene in the carousel of progress. That's right. Uh, I had one for the Masters of the Universe Evil Horde Fright Zone. So nice of you to drop in for lunch. The Fright Zone. The Fright Zone. The Fright Zone. Your overgrown wizard doesn't scare me, Gordon. Oh, no. The Fright Zone. Oh, that's cool. Which has this giant rubber hand puppet of the Beast Monster who appeared in, in the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special. Wow. But when we come back from the break, we're in the party room at the music hall where decorating is underway by a bunch of Santa's helpers. Sure, I know. Like the elves. No, little brother. They're called stagehands. Yes, I don't know. I don't get it either. He's but trying to be funny. I I love the layout of this backstage area. It's yeah. laid out exactly perfectly for this. It's unpainted in a lot and it looks unfinished, but it's it's got these marvelous staircases and like a little stage in the middle. Yeah. And I'm confused about one of the decorations by the doors. They look like giant fluffy bunny ears to me. Yeah, yeah. That's the wrong holiday. Okay, so... You thought that these were bunny ears, too. I'm like, well, what is that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe they were getting ready. They were going to do the Rockets Easter. You know, this is like stuff backstage. Yeah, we're we're doing two tonight. We got to <laughs> schedule the game. Uh, Billy then asks if they're going to exchange presents at the party. And Benny explains the only gift they need to share at this party is friendship. 
And this leads him into talking about how Merry Christmas means different things to different people. And to Benny, who grew up on welfare, waking up on Christmas morning to find his parents healthy, it was enough for him to have a Merry Christmas. Yep. And Mr. T did grow up uh, in the um, the Lawrence uh, Dunbar um, uh, Elementary School. He was in uh, he lived in the projects there. There was very famous projects named after a Hollywood actor. I can't think of the name right now, but um, he grew up in the projects, definitely grew up on welfare. He had a father who was a preacher and his parents. Uh, He said split up, but they split up simply for legal reasons because they couldn't afford to stay together. And so and he had a lot of brothers and and a big family. Yeah, he was one of seven. Seven. Yeah, Yeah, I think he had I think he had seven brothers. I think he was. Oh, oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, he had a lot. There were a lot of men in that house. Yeah. But then after that, right here is when Maureen McGovern arrives to the party Mm -hmm. to sing us a Christmas medley. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's very jazzy, very upbeat. Uh, And she is wearing the most 1984 jacket I have ever seen. (laughs) It's turquoise on the outside. It's magenta on the inside. She's got the sleeves rolled up, the cuffs rolled up. It's quite loose fitting and the collars popped. (laughs) Yes, that's right. The collar is indeed pop. Yeah, I would I would never have guessed that this is the woman who sang There's Got to Be a Morning After. <laughs> yes, indeed. All the while helping decorate while she's singing these songs. Uh, yeah, because had- again, yeah, this is not a show. They're they're putting on just uh, they're just hanging out, you know. Right. For some reason, she's belting out a tune. Yeah. <laughs> she adds a pair of turtle doves to the garland, helps people hang tinsel on the tree. Even puts tinsel on the heads of both Billy and Benny. Guy, do you do tinsel for your tree? I do not because I have a cat. No, that'll um, do it. Cats will eat that tinsel. Yeah. You do not want. You do not want that coming yeah. out the back. Um, but so I, my cat is is pretty good now. My last cat used to climb right through and love to chew on the wires in the tree, oh, which is very disconcerting. Yeah. Um, but that cat has passed away, not from chewing on the wires, though, just from from old age. The current sure. cat well, is too lazy to climb in the tree, so we're good. <laughs> hey, all but right. No, but no, uh, no tinsel. Uh, you know, I try to just stick with the ornaments that I don't care if they fall down and break. Yeah, basically. We don't do tinsel here. But uh, growing up in my parents' house, tinsel arrived along with Santa. So when we woke mm. up Christmas morning, the tree was extra sparkly, surrounded by everything. Well, when I was a kid, our tree was metal and shiny silver. <laughs> so, and it had a color wheel that faced it that oh, would wow. turn a different color. Oh, re- and so <laughs> that tree couldn't get any shinier. Oh, I need to put a picture of that color wheel in the show notes yeah, because was- I know what you're talking about, but I don't think everybody knows what you're talking about. It was a thing. You can see it if you watch uh, A Nightmare Before Christmas. They actually animate oh, right. a tree yeah. with a color wheel. Yep. Uh, but yes, that was a thing. And I've. it's unfortunate because I used to see them at garage sales all the time. And I'd be like, oh, that's funny. Oh, I remember we had that <laughs> looked like a broomstick you'd put in the center. And then there were holes drilled in it. And you'd put the uh, the branches in there. And it never looked great. You know, <laughs> it, you'd always lose a few branches or they'd yeah. break or whatever. And I'd see them at garage sales. And I'd 
be like, oh, who wants that? And now they go for a lot of money on eBay. Uh, and I would love to have one like, you know, somewhere, not my main tree, maybe my main tree. Hey, <laughs> let's not let's not quibble. Maybe yeah. it would be my main tree if sure. I had it. But uh, unfortunately, now they're they're much harder to come by. Oh, man. So after this medley, Maureen again asks Billy for his favorite Christmas song. And this time he admits he does have one. It's Santa Claus is coming to town and he sang it in a school play, which his parents didn't get to see. But with a little coaxing from Maureen, he sings it for us and he makes it a performance. You better watch out. You better not call. You better not call. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Oh, boy. He dances this number. This is great. This is the this is Emmanuel Lewis at his. I mean, I don't think he's ever done another musical number anywhere. This is it. No, this is peak Emmanuel Lewis doing this little dance in place in the middle of this song. He's got the smoothest moves of every 13 year old I can think of. Yeah, this is great. This is just I mean, the only thing that would have made this more 1984 is if he had like a thriller jacket or a beat it jacket. (laughs) Oh, oh, we can only wish. Uh, I, I do have to take issue with something Maureen said to get Billy to sing for them. She said, at Christmas time, everyone's a singer. And at Christmas time, everybody sounds great and sings on key. <laughs> no, they don't. But that's true. Uh, but Billy does. Thank goodness. Uh, he's great here. In fact, everyone helping to decorate loves it. Gives him a big yeah. round of applause. He's finally coming out of his shell. We get another commercial break, and when we come back, Benny has now changed into this very nice three-piece suit with a bow tie. Mr. T looks like a billion dollars here. He does. He is, he is like in this tailored tan suit. It is the, I mean, he looks great. I would vote for him for any office <laughs> if, if he yep. showed up in this yeah. suit. This is now where we're seeing the Mohawk too. So, yes. but he's got a bow tie. He's got a vest. He's got a jacket. He looks, he looks great. Uh, and we do now see the, and, and he gets kind of serious here. He does. So now there are a bunch of kids and families gathered around And they're here to listen to Benny tell us about the most famous night in history, the night of the nativity. We all know a lot about that night almost 2,000 years ago, the most famous night in the history of the world. I'm not just talking about the big things. I'm talking about the little things also. We even know what the weather was like. And he says, we even know what the weather was like. Mm -hmm. And I had to think about that. But thankfully, he's backed up. It's the American Boy Choir. Okay, that's who it is. Yeah. Yes. So one of these children was a grown adult and and reached out to me on MySpace because I posted screenshots from this special one time when I when I watched it. Okay. And and just said, hey, can you send me a copy? And I was like, just send over your address. I'll, I'll get it to you. And I did. You know. Nice. Yeah. He's backed up by the American Boy Choir. They sing, it came upon a midnight clear. So that's what the weather was like. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's important. There was no room at the end. They had to, you know, you assume the weather wasn't great or they would have slept outside. Uh, you know, this was this was some treacherous times for them. But there is one thing, Mike, that we do not know. What's that? <laughs> Did the baby smile? This is <laughs> this is this is a question that I had never thought of. This is a question that now what I hangs in my head every time I hear about G- baby Jesus. 
Was he smiling? You don't know. <laughs> little drummer boy's not canon. But, uh, a little bit about the American Boy Choir. They're from the American Boy Choir School that was based in Princeton, New Jersey. Founded in 1937, uh, but closed for good in 2017 after going bankrupt. Oh, I didn't know that. No. I didn't know they, well, I, I was born in Princeton, New Jersey. Were you? Okay. I could have been one of them. <laughs> I, was born, I was born at the same hospital Einstein died at, but not oh, the wow. same day. It ah. wasn't the same day, though. But, uh, perhaps the school's most famous <laughs> alumnus was Van Dyke Parks. Frequent collaborator with Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys, among many, many others. Hmm. That was the name that was on the top of the list. I didn't recognize or remember any others, but I saw Van Dyke Parks. I'm like, oh, neat. But we're wrapping up here as Benny continues telling of the nativity story. We get a couple more beautiful renditions of a little town of Bethlehem. And we three kings. Maureen sings, Oh, Holy Night. Oh, Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. Followed by the choir again, singing Silent Night. But then, Emmanuel Lewis joins in with a verse of Silent Night I have never heard before. Guy, have you? <laughs> no, this is, this, is, this is one of the things that's great about this special. up and the thing about silent night is because it's now more than 200 years old mm -hmm. and translated from german there have been quite a few versions of it written over the last two centuries with different verses so this one is attributed to jane montgomery campbell a british musician and poet published in 1863 and it goes silent night holy night wondrous star lend thy light with the angels, let us sing hallelujah to our king. And in the special, they finish with Christ the Savior is born. In the copy I found online, this particular verse said it ended with Jesus Christ is here. Hmm. But same thing, different words. But that was interesting. I had no idea. You usually hear three verses of Silent Night yeah. and that's it. Yeah. And here's where we get the question, did the baby smile? That's right. We don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I now uh, it's all I think about. I'm up at night. <laughs> I, I just, I think, I think, I don't know. I think we might lose me. I think Mr. T needs to come and take me out and show me the true spirit of Christmas. <laughs> so I'm, I'm so worried about it. Well, here's where he invites us all to make a promise. That during this Christmas season and every Christmas season, we should help somebody who needs help because the blessed of us must try to save the less of us. And then, and only then, will we know 
that we have made that baby smile. That's right. Yeah. And a great, that's a great quote. I like that. And then and only then will we know that we made that baby smile. And way to bring it home, Mr. T. Uh, and we end with, oh, come all ye faithful, led by Maureen, while Billy is just sitting and smiling on her lap like, well, this was fun. Yeah, he's not, he doesn't have a care in the world about the fact that he might need to go home. No. Unlatch that latch and, and use that key. Yeah, well, at the end, he said he asks Benny to take him home. And he says, well, I'd love to take you home, but someone mm-hmm. else came here to do That's that. That's right. And, oh, hey, it's his parents. There they are. Quite a handsome couple and very nice yes. uh, overcoats. But Billy forgot one thing. Oh, yeah. He's got to do one thing before he leaves. He owes Mr. T a dollar. <laughs> it's great. And so he gets the, he whispers to his dad. He's like, I owe that man one dollar. And his dad's <laughs> like, whatever. Here you go. We saw his parents walk down the stairs during the choir singing Silent Night, and I thought at the time, huh, that's weird. People are moving on the set. Yeah, yeah. But it was too dark to see who it was supposed to be. No one probably thought anything of it watching, but. There they are. And so he paid, and Mr. T is so happy to get that done. Yes, it means something to him. <laughs> it's not the money. It's the, it's much like the dollar bet in the Christmas movie trading places. The yes. bet is, is symbolic. And so he is just so happy that, that for everyone's sake, he came out on top. Yes. His Christmas spirit has returned. He didn't lose this one. Uh, and then the parents and Billy go upstairs. They wave goodbye to the choir and everybody else. Uh, they take us out with joy to the world. They're outside. They smile and point at the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree as it begins to snow on them and only them. <laughs> because when we cut to the tree, no snow. But that's it. We made it. What a charming little special. Thank yeah. you, guy. I'm so glad you like this. I got to tell you, we talked about this when I was on last year talking about Jack Benny yeah, um, going Christmas shopping. And uh, we talked about uh, how every year at my house, I like to have a lot of my friends and family over and I like to run these old specials, particularly I like to run some of the popular ones because that's what everybody wants to see. But I love to run stuff like this that people don't know that they haven't seen. They don't know it exists. And if you ask them to watch it, They'd be like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> then like this special, I turned it on. And as it's starting, people were kind of like, oh, this seems so goofy. And by the end, they were like, you know, that was really great. That was yeah. really good. Yep. Like, you know, I, I remember my mother-in-law was like, that was beautiful. She was like, I was, I loved the end of that. It's a, it's a really good special. And I mean, it is a product of its time. And like I was saying about how it was designed to entertain the whole room. We don't do that anymore. It's not something that exists anymore because no. you don't need to entertain the whole room entertainment today is much more segmented because we all have our own phones. We have multiple TVs in our home. When I was a kid, you had one TV in the house. So if you couldn't convince everybody to turn on Mr. T and Emmanuel Lewis in a Christmas dream, you weren't going to watch it. And so that's why they throw in Ty Babylonia. They throw in David Copperfield. They throw in all these different things that you're going to say, hey, you know what? You might want to see the magic and you might want to see the figure skating. And everybody's like, oh, okay, well, you know, we'll sit through the rest of the stuff to see the part (laughs) we want to see. Yeah, and and I'm very thankful again that someone 
thought to record this yes. and someone thought to upload this. Yeah, because no one, this has never been marketed as no. a thing that exists. This has nope. never been sold. You know, the company that made this has never gone ahead and said, I mean, there, there at some point would have been a market for it. Even today, if they, you know, reached out to YouTube and said, pull down the other copies, we'll put it up for $3.99, they'd get a handful of downloads. But if they put this out on DVD in 1999, this would have been a hit. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. But thankfully, this was not hard to find. There's a copy on YouTube that seems to be well-preserved and not going anywhere anytime soon. Yep. Go give it a watch. It's a fantastic time capsule. Well, Guy, if people want to fall asleep watching you put on a private show for them, where can they find you on the Internet? They can find me everywhere. I'm just Guy Hutchinson. Go to Twitter. Go to Facebook. If you want to, if you want to purchase books I wrote, you can look on Amazon. Everything is Guy Hutchinson. And I got to tell you, the place I want them to look for me is back on this show next year because I want to come back and talk about some other special. This was an absolute joy, Mike. I just love talking about Christmas with you. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you are invited anytime. Well, let's do it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I am recording. Uh, well, we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> Bump them. We've got, we've got things to talk about. <laughs> no, but this was just this was just great. And this is such a this is a special that I would have been very jealous of anyone else that got to talk to you about it. So I'm very excited that I was here. I'm glad it was you. And thank you again for recommending it. It was a lot of fun. Well, podcast pals, you can find show notes for all the tangents we went on today at adventcalendar.house. And you can say hi to me on Twitter at adventcalhouse or fallwestmike. We're getting closer to Christmas Eve. Tune in for another very special episode in just a couple of days. Until then, for Guy Hutchinson, live from the visions of rockets dancing in my head. This is Mike Westfall reminding you to mind the icy patch and not at all suggesting that talking to strangers will lead to you winding up at a Christmas party with celebrities. They can't all be this charming. Good night, y'all. And now these messages. Marker and action. Merry Monday, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Bells. Imagine making a child think something it doesn't want just because he bought too many of the wrong toys. You guys give up or you're thirsty for more? Join us each week as we go behind the scenes of your favorite Christmas classics. <laughs> oh, Santa's got a little trick up his sleeve. Someone should remind her that Christmas is more than barging up and down department store aisles and Pushing people out of the way. Our weekly show explores the magic behind that Christmas magic. Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. For Christ's sakes, it's Christmas. Join us as we explore that Christmas magic every week. What's up, dudes? I'm Jerry D. of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, books, fashion, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, He's got it covered. Wait, is there a lot of things to talk about for the 80s and Christmas? Well, you got the movie giants like Christmas Vacation, Scrooge, and A Christmas Story. There are TV specials like Muppet Family Christmas, Claymation Christmas Celebration, and a Garfield Christmas Special. Plus classics shown every year. You also jam out to Last Christmas, Do They Know It's Christmas, and Christmas and Hollis. 
But most of all, it was a time for the most bodacious, best-selling Christmas toys ever, like He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers... And Cabbage Patch Kids. Yes, them too. We cover them all, plus much more, including standard segments like Hap Hap Happiest Memory, Gagney with the Spoon, The Other Half of the Battle... And Chant with the Littles. So tune in to Totally Rad Christmas everywhere you get your podcasts. Turn the clock back and dive into those warm and fuzzy memories. Later, dudes! Next time on the Advent Calendar House... This type of year always make me remember. Remember what? It was a long time ago, Arno. A very complicated story. I'd like to hear it. Please tell me.